0: Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports-related, please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Outside the Sheds. Shed heads, I hope you can feel in my voice, in the, in the inflection of my, my mood, my feeling, my excitement. The reason that is, and if you really need me to say this, you're a little confused yourself, is that we are on the home stretch. We are now coming down to the time of year. We're done with Origin. We're done with the hangover the week after Origin. We are now about ready to do the home stretch. Teams are now positioning themselves, even if they're not going to be into the finals, to show their supporters, to show their members that they're going to go forward and change the direction, change the vision, change the mission of what they want to do, what they want to be, and where they want to go. So it's exciting. I'm saying it's even exciting if you're a Tigers fan, and we're going to get into that a little bit down the road here as we talk a little bit farther into 40-20. But I'm really, really excited because I think that we're going to have some new blood this year. I think we have some teams in the NRL especially that have a chance to um, really try to go after a juggernaut, which would be Penrith. Um, and, And in the AFL, I think we've got some teams that are really pushing to get in the top four. So I think both conferences, both divisions, both sports are very, very excited about the direction they're going. And the crazy thing is both sports have their own problems of almost the same ilk too. So... Really exciting time. Really happy to be here with you, and let's get into this thing right now. Let's go into the forty twenty. Uh, you know, I always I just said that when I just did the opening. Uh, the week just experienced I would call it the hangover round of the NRL, which is the week after Origin. During this time period, you have a lot of teams that are resting Origin stars. You have Origin stars that are injured who haven't come back fully yet. So it's, it's a real different time, especially for that first week. Because there's some teams, um, Penrith Panthers, for example, who told their origin stars to beat it. Get out of here. We want you out of the building. And they didn't even let him in. I'm saying reports of Nathan Cleary being in Bali and, and uh, you know, these guys just getting away from the game, letting them heal up, getting letting them get ready. So it was a very unique round in that perspective. That some teams had to go all hands on deck without all hands on deck. So let's get into some of these games. Uh, We went 5-for-8, which wasn't too bad. I'm saying with that COVID, uh, the haze, the malaise, the hangover, whatever you want to say. COVID fog brain. uh, The Shedidamas didn't do too bad. And uh, a couple of these matches, I really had a chance to win. And we won't get into that right now. We don't want to be a sore loser. But kicking off the round... We had a huge tussle between the Sharks and the Cowboys, the Cows being one of those teams that rested a few players. A few players were injured, uh, and the Sharkies came out on top, 26-12 to 12 over the Cows. A referee's decision might have been maybe one of the biggest calls so far in this season, uh, preventing Jason Tomalolo to score which would probably have been the, 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 the try that probably would have taken the Cows to get over the top of the Sharks. Um, but in the end, even with that call, uh, the loss of those, those key players, Val Holmes, etc., uh, Tommy Dearden, who had a great match uh, in, in going, Game 3 of Origin, it was too much for the Cows to overcome and, and, and to really come over the top of an informed Sharks club right now. Uh, and I really think Nico Hines used that origin time in camp uh, to really uh, kind of resettle his game, and he looked really good as well. So, Sharky's getting a big, big victory, and to keep their streak alive. Eels 28, Warriors 18, Eels too much, um, you know, for the Warriors. Uh, and and it made, I think possibly this is the match that might see uh, Reese Walsh, um, I don't want to say maybe have played his last game for the Warriors, but I will say that Reese Walsh may be on borrowed time, even though we all know he is on borrowed time uh, with with the New Zealand Warriors. Roosters 54, Dragons 26. You know we always get up for this. You know, the Anzac Day uh, tussle. Um, the two bigger, bitter rivals. Uh, well, the second meeting for this club. And it was a really pretty tight match in the first half until the Roosters exploded, winning 54-26. to 26. Um, That second half... I think was a type of half that shows you why the Roosters may have some decisions to make going forward in the future in the halves and and really what this club can be. I'm still standing on my, my soapbox shed heads. I did say that I thought the Roosters were gonna win this whole thing when it was all before it was all said and done. But I just think that, that Joey Manu in the halves shows everyone um, how important it is for certain players to touch the ball as much as possible. And I'm really curious to see Luke Curie is coming back this week for the Roosters and they and and and, and Robo has named him in the halves. But I don't know how much farther you can keep going along with this. Especially if Luke Curry gets injured again uh by preventing Joey Manu to be maybe your playmaker uh in that position. Uh Sea Eagles 42, Knights 12. You know, an informed Kalen Ponga just wasn't enough for the Knights. And it was a troubling time for the Knights because, you know, which we're going to go into it, they lost another key member of the team signing elsewhere uh, for next season. Um, and Manly, I've got to tell you, shitheads, a lot of people wrote Manly off when Turbo went down. That Manly probably would not make the eight. And I will tell you how this team is playing right now. And I think people really look past how good of a player Ruben Garrick is. And how, yes, he does. He is not Tom Trubojevic, we know this, but Ruben Garrick is solid, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes, and he looks like he's carrying some injuries with him the way that his tape jobs are on his legs, but I do think Ruben Garrick has, n- has not let his team down, and even he might not have that explosive speed as Turbo, he's done an incredible job in the fullback position in, in Turbo's absence, so... Seagulls had to feel good about themselves because I really think that DCE and Kieran Foran are ready for that one last ride. Even though there's been some rumblings, uh, you know, that Kieran Foran might be second-guessing his move to to the Gold Coast next season. I really, really, really think that Manly is going to push hard to get up into maybe even in the sixth position before it's all said and done. Broncos 16, Titans 12, a really valiant effort by Gold Coast. Uh, I know they're fighting for, for, uh, for Justin's head, for their coach to not uh, get moved along at the end of the season or, or maybe even sooner. Um, and, you know, and it really showed. I told you again, I think Justin Holbrook's a great coach. I think he's a, a really good coach in the standpoint that great coaches sometimes come to the NRL and get outed for just being good coaches. But I don't really know what's going on there. They've made some really key decisions that I think have come back to bite the club. Um, but again, the little general too much, Adam Reynolds, no matter, you know, some people say he's the best buy ever in Brisbane history, Broncos history. I don't know if I'd go that far. He hasn't played enough games. I don't think for us to be able to say that, but I will say that the Broncos Kevy's boys are going to make it to the finals this year. Uh, and I think you got to feel pretty confident about their strike and their form. And if they can get, uh, some players back and get as healthy as possible. They could be really dangerous when it's all said and done. Panthers 18, Tigers 16. Even depleted, I think what we saw was just let's be honest, the Penrith Panthers are the cream of the crop. They are the best club right now in the NRL. Uh and and even with the Tigers playing a unique set, you know, they they tried this week for the first time of having Dewey in that in the 5'8 position. Um, Luke Brooks at at halfback and Jackson Hastings at lock at the thirteen, and I I don't know what's going on there. Uh, we've got some big news. We're going to talk about the Tigers here very very shortly, but I don't know what it is about this club. I don't know. Like I, I've t- said this before, I don't know if Luke Brooks has some some dirty pictures in his in his drawer back at his apartment or house uh, that are holding some people hostage. Because I don't know why you would not... We've already seen the Adam Dewey-Luke Brooks partnership. I want to see Adam Dewey and Jackson Hastings running the Tigers. And I want to see what that combination can do. And putting New Brown in the hooker position and let's go. And not Tom Brady sitting there waiting to drive an electric car. And that's not what I'm talking about. I think we've seen this before. I think Luke Brooks needs to sit... On the sideline, and, and I think we need to see what that team looks like without Luke Brooks in the seven. They played well. They played, I, I guess, as strong as you can. Uh, Jackson Hastings, in, in 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 what do they call it? Super Coach points. I guess had an incredible game, but he's a he he is a halfback, and I want to see the the Dewey Hastings combination. I'm really I'm ready for that, but the Panthers still do what they do. And even without all their origin players out, get a two-point victory. Raiders 20-Storm 16. Uh, The third straight loss for the Storm, something we haven't said for a very, very long time, Uh, and a key, key injury with the Ferrari, Ryan Pappenhausen going down. Uh, This is the first story we're going to lead with going in our deep dive on the 40-20. But again, the two friends, Bellyache and, 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 and Sticky, Getting into each other. Uh, and and again, the green machine. Find a way to get a victory. A big victory. And really sending Bellyache back uh, to the drawing board of what he needs to do. Especially with a key loss that we're getting ready to get into. And finally, the match that I think was the match of the round. Rabidos 36. Bulldog's 28. Um, like I said, I, I, I don't know what. I'm blown away. And I'm going to talk about this here in more detail very, very shortly. But I'm blown away about Latrell. Maybe Latrell just needed to get away to Philadelphia. A city that's full of a lot of hate. A city that's full of a lot of aggression. A city that's filled with a lot of in-your-face, if you know what I mean. Because Latrell has come back playing like that. He was already like that before he left. But I don't know if he ate one too many Philly cheesesteaks when he was in Philadelphia. Because the guy is playing possessed. And we're going to talk about that here soon. But let's get into this deep dive. Uh, And I want to start off with, I think, something that we all are thinking right now. And that's, you know, stars of of games, stars in sports are just hard to come by. You know, you have some great players. When you watch a guy that on the drop of a hat can change a game. Speed, talent, um, all of it. And then when you see that he may not be the prototypical form or size of some players, that also draws your attention. Ryan Pappenhausen is that type of player, okay? Besides his crazy haircut and his hair blowing in the wind as he runs like a Ferrari down the field, he's that guy. He's a special player, and he is fun to watch. He's the type of player that puts butts in seats, and that is what all organizations want to see and they all want to experience. Players that bring excitement and lift the level of that of that game or whatever you're watching, right? Um, but it's sad. It's really sad because when you saw Pappenhausen go down uh, when he tried to attempt to tackle on Jack Whiten uh, in their match with uh, the Raiders, you knew something wasn't right. And it was... A lot of these guys get knocks, they get injuries, you know, they get corks, all that type of stuff. And they somehow find a way back to their feet and they hobble around for a little bit and five minutes later they're running back around the field. They're not faking anything, it's just they know that pain is part of the game and they know how to run it out. But when I watched Ryan Pappenhausen attempt to get up one time, two times, and finally just slump to the ground, I knew this wasn't good. And when I finally saw him with his arms around the trainer's neck as they would got him off the field and he wasn't putting any pressure, that's when I knew that it was really, really bad. Now, I think watching enough sport, we always go right to the ACL card, that he might have ruptured his ACL or tore his ACL, however you want to call that or say that. But I was not expecting that I would hear the, the, the phrase fractured patella. The fractured kneecap uh, to all of you that aren't married to a medical professional. Um, and I've got to say, it was it, it's a shattering blow to the Melbourne Storm. And, and that's not even trying to be funny about that. Pappenhausen, even though we'll, we, we'll probably see, see Nick Meany fill in in the fullback role, which he's done an admirable job when Pappenhausen has been out. But Pappenhausen is a freak. He is that that special, special player that can do special, special things. And so you have to expect a backstep by Belly Ache's team. You have to expect them to really struggle. Pappenhausen's has only played it in 11 games so far this season due to knee and hamstring injuries. And that is something I think we've noticed because we've noticed that Melbourne has been up and down. They've just not seemed like that team that... Like before, if Melbourne loses a game... If you're a betting man, you're putting probably your car, maybe not your full mortgage, on the next week's game that they're going to rebound and win, right? And that hasn't happened this year. They've struggled. They Their defense has been very, very troubled. to put it plain and simple. Um, but they've really not been that, that typical bellyache team. And we've been waiting for this for years. I'm saying since, since Cooper Cronk left to go to the Roosters, and then Cameron Smith retires. And then Billy Slater, um, I guess not in that order, Slater, then Cameron. But I—but we saw these guys leave Melbourne, and we were just expecting them to kind of fall off the side of the cliff. And they haven't done that. They haven't done that at all. But this is the first time that the Storm have lost three straight matches since 2015. Now, we all know that they didn't fall out of the top eight or anything, But it was the first time that a team that I think, no matter if you love them or hate them, they're a super club. And when you see a super club lose three matches in a row, that is unsettling because you know something just isn't right. And you know that there could be some real problems, maybe underneath the surface. I don't know what you would really say, but I will tell you that it's just not normal. And and so much so that it's not so normal that, I have not seen Craig Bellamy throwing a tantrum, you know, breaking things, uh, storming out of the room. Uh, He, I think, he really senses this is a serious situation, and maybe screaming at the guys. Even though I guess when they lost one of the matches, he peeled paint off the walls in in an epic spray. But they, but he, I think, he sees that that might not be what's needed right now, Um, and he's a smart coach. And I think he knows that this is going to probably be one of his biggest coaching jobs um, that he may have ever done to right this ship. Now, also in the match, we've had, we have had some, some, not fisticuffs, I and mean, we're not talking Origin 3 here, but we had some high hits. And Jordan Rapana has received a two-match ban for a careless high tackle on Marion Seve that, you know, it was bad, I guess. But I didn't think that Rapana was going to get two games for that and plead guilty and accept that. Uh, and then other things later came down the line with Rapana getting taken out later too. Um, and, and, you know, I think that Melbourne wanted to show that you're not going to take one of our guys and do something to him and not receive repercussion for that. So, you know, Rapana's going to be out for two, so that really could cost Canberra down the line. But I think the question we have leaving this isn't, the, the victory for the Raiders, which they have to be very, very proud of. But I think we leave here wondering what is Melbourne going to look like going forward? And will three losses quickly turn to four losses because they're getting ready to ha- take on a, a in-form South Sydney club, a club that looks like right now they may not be able to fully walk on water, but they may be able to run across it very quickly before they know they're on water. And that is what they're up against. So if you're a Storm fan, you've got to be worried. And I think if you're a Storm player, you're in a position that you haven't been in. And there aren't the Cameron Smiths and the Billy Slaters and the Cooper Cronks. They're inside that locker room right now. So there's new voices. You're going to have to listen to Munster. You're going to have to listen to Jerome Hughes. You're going to have to listen to guys that maybe have not had to have that type of voice to straighten a ship and write a ship. So Melbourne. I guess this is when the championship pedigree comes out. So we'll fully see what they're made of and if they totally lose control of the ship or if they do what they normally do and write it and, and we're laughing about it in four weeks. So very big time coming up for the, the team in purple. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about Latrell Mitchell. And I think everybody's been talking about Latrell for the last few weeks. But the big thing we were talking about has, is how Latrell pledged his total um, focus, loyalty to South Sydney. And he told Freddie and the Blues that right now I am my full focus, my full depth is in South Sydney. And I think a lot of people kind of chuckled and said some things under the, underneath their breaths that he said that because some people thought it was just Luttrell saying something because he didn't think Freddie was going to pick him for game three anyway. Well, I think we found out that Luttrell was 100% being honest. I think we quickly found out that Luttrell meant everything that he said and that we wonder if Luttrell Mitchell had played this entire season Would he be the front-runner right now for the Daily M's? Because the man has been possessed. I said that earlier. He has been possessed. And they have won three games in a row since he's come back and looked night and day compared to what they were when Latrell wasn't there. The the uncertainty, the errors, the non-strike on the ball, they just look like a different team. But since he's come back, over these last three matches, the Rapidos have scored 107 points for an average of 30, 35.3 points a game. All right? That's impressive. That's impressive. Alex Johnson has scored five tries, and Cody Walker has scored three tries. Sylvester so Trell has come back in the fold. We already know what that partnership is between Cody and Luttrell. But I think we also forget how Luttrell draws people to him, which opens up the wings for those cutout passes to Alex Johnson. I think the hat trick kind of tells us about everything about that from last week. And then the thing that I think was the most exciting the thing that really showed you, I think what, where Luttrell stands and that is the personal vendetta he took out against Matt Burton in that match which was kind of crazy because Latrell was all about, you know, talking up Matt Burton and and you know, you know, good luck to Matt Burton, you know, in the game. Hey, yay Matt Burton. And that wasn't the case during that game at all. He went looking for Matt Burton. And Matt Burton's not a small dude. He's a big guy. He's not Latrell's size in girth and in size, but he's not a small dude. And Latrell Won the head-to-head two to one by trucking him twice. You you wouldn't really say that that Burton trucked him when they when he had his quote-unquote victory of the night over Latrell, um, and when he did it, Latrell looked up and had some some words for him, and I think that's when you knew that he was going to go looking for him again. Uh I don't know what it was. I don't know, but I will tell you. Even after the match, Latrell let people know that that Blues Three jersey is his, and it's his anytime he damn well wants it. And I love it. I love every minute of it. A lot of people think that Latrell sometimes plays a little out of control. I will say this: he's fiery, and I said I think he's eaten a few too che- too many cheesesteaks in Philly in his rehab, but he plays on an edge and when he doesn't do things that are stupid by by i don't know letting his anger get out of control he is he is beyond special matter of fact he may be the best he's as good as Nathan Cleary when he's in in strike and in form and he can do things that Nathan Cleary can't do as well so really really impressive there i i i was blown away now i want to look at the other side here for this match too because uh That loss for the Bulldogs, a team that I think very much has played well since Mick Potter's got there, Uh, it does shock me a little bit that so much of the talk still has been about trying to get a different coach in there, Uh, because this is the best the Bulldogs have looked probably for the last, probably since, you know, Dean Pay left, when they still ripped the job from him, but they were starting to come around late, right? But... This loss might have been key in a couple of areas, but the most important area is that Josh Adokar went down with ankle and uh, lower back and glute problems. Now, a lot of people were talking in the beginning of the week that this looked like this could be the season for Josh Adokar, and then it surprises that I see that he could be playing this week. So I don't know if if he's a mutant. I don't know if he's superhuman. Uh, I don't know but for a guy that a lot of people thought wasn't going to be even playing again for the rest of the season, because think about it. The Dogs aren't going to the finals, but the Dogs are playing with definitely some character right now. They're playing with uh, a little bit of moxie, and I they really had a chance in this game against South Sydney. I'm saying they took the lead, and if it wasn't for you know Flanagan maybe saying something to, to Cody Walker to fire him up, because from that moment on, from the time that 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 Kyle Flanagan said something to Cody Walker and Cody Walker uh went at him, it wasn't a match after that. South Sydney, their feathers got all br- brussell and rustled and whatever you want to say, and they took it back to the dogs and took it to him. So that's good news that Ad O'Carr, I don't know if he's gonna play this week, but it does not look like it's season ending. Uh, Or that's not what the the dogs are are leaning towards right now. Um, But I will say this. You have to feel, after the story I just said before about Melbourne, but with the way that Cody, Latrell, and Alex Johnson are playing right now, I don't know how you could pick the Melbourne Storm. Even though they've won seven in a row against South Sydney, I think the hoodoo's broken, and I think... Well, am I giving this away too early for you, shedheads? I might be giving this away. Let's just do it. Let's just let's call my shot. I think South Sydney snaps the hoodoo and gets their first victory in seven after seven attempts against the Melbourne Storm this weekend. Well, I'm ready for it. Are you ready? Is 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 the Tiger Army of Sydney ready to talk about this? Well, I am, and. And maybe some of the best news coming out of the West Tigers, out of Concord, whatever you want to say. The Tigers have decided on their future. The Tigers have decided to put their money where their mouth is. And instead of going out and trying to get your Cameron Sorrell and your Shane Flanagan's and players to come from outside the den, outside of the pride, outside of the pack. The Tigers have decided to turn it inward. And even though it was said repeatedly over and over and over again, you know, that 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 we're not going to have um, Tim Sheens coach the team, you know, uh, Madge McGuire is not under any pressure from Tim Sheens, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what to make of that talk then. But the board of trustees and the board at the West Tigers have changed their song quite a bit. Because Tim Sheens has been named as the coach for the West Tigers for the 2023-2024 seasons. And during that time period, he will be mentoring Benji Marshall and Robbie Farah. And Benji Marshall, starting in 2025, will be the new head coach for the West Tigers. And he's signed a five-year contract I think that contract counts those first two years where he's the assistant coach under Tim Sheens, and at that moment, then Robbie Farah will move up into administrative positions. I think Robbie wants to do a little bit more behind the scenes work. I think he want. I think Robbie would love to be someday the president of the club. I think he would like to be the chairman of the board for the for the West Tigers, um, because I think that he just has that in him. Um, but Benji has wanted to be a coach for a very long time. And Benji's even said that he would even say the last few years of his career as a player in the NRL, he's been more of a coach than he's been anything else. I think that's how freakish Benji Marshall's skills are as a player, that he still saw himself more of a coach as he did as a player. And a lot of this thought process came to him, not when he was at the Dragons, but when he went up and worked with Wayne. And Wayne Bennett, I think, showed Benji what it takes to be a coach. I think he showed Benji how you go about the game, looking at it in a totally different perspective. And maybe not as a guy that's going to do flip passes and and gigantic cutouts and 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 do some magical stuff always. But instead, to let the game come to you, analyze the game, and to put into motion things that will win the game and maybe not always be flashy no matter what you say i i think that benji marshall shows you what he can do he made the move into the fox league studios this year even hosting his own show i think what benji marshall shows you is that he's not afraid of failure and if you listen to a lot of these gurus that are out there Uh, that try to change people's perspectives, try to change people's lives. Um, And I'm not going to drop any names here because you can find those people on their own. Or you can contact my good friend, David Lindsay, who will help you find all of these people if you need them. But what I'm trying to say is Benji is not afraid of failure. And and if he was afraid of failure, he wouldn't have done that flip pass in the grand final of 2005. He's about attacking attacking and attacking. And then if you lose there, you come back and you attack again. And I think that's what's so exciting about him possibly uh, leading this club forward. And I don't want to say possibly, but when he takes the full reins of the West Tigers. I think you see how serious he is because now word has come down that he's stepped away from Fox League and and is now going to concentrate 100% in being at the West Tigers I think you see that the thing that I think a lot of people forget is Benji is an icon in a lot of locker rooms, and and I think that type of voice that he has, being the guy that he has, is going to change something the West Tigers have had a problem with recently, and that is bringing named players to the club, and and I and he hasn't he hasn't taken a step, uh, how should I say, put the car in neutral whatsoever because. Word is he's already reached out to Mitchell Moses to come back to the Tigers. And I and I will tell you, a lot of people that are fans of the West Tigers really thought that the Tigers had something coming with Teddy at fullback, uh Luke Brooks in and and Mitchell Moses in the halves, Kevin Gama on the wing. Um, you know, you just had a lot of players and a lot of feeling of positivity going through that club of what that next that next cycle of players were going to be. And then they lost them all. They banked everything on Luke Brooks. And I don't think that's panned out. And that's why I think I'm so ready to see Luke Brooks move on to different pastures. I know the Newcastle Knights really want him. Uh, and let the Tigers start fresh. Let the Tigers start bringing guys up from the Pies, from the Magpies, and see what they have. And if they can get Mitchell Moses back in there, there will be people over the moon about that move. Sorry about that, Dom, but it's true. So I don't know what's going to happen. I will tell you that I am excited about this move. Uh, and then then more things are breaking. There's talk um, that Scotty Prince, who was the captain of that 2005 club, has put his hand up to come back to the Tigers and to work under Sheens and possibly work in the Habs with Tim Sheens and Benji Marshall. Um, To say the band might be getting back together might be the biggest understatement I've said on Outside the Sheds in the last six months. But I will say, if you're a fan of the Orange and the Black, Gold and the Black, whatever you want to say, it is a good time to be a fan of the West Tigers. It's going to be painful for a little bit now, but I think the vision that the Tigers are showing is got to make you excited if you're a fan of the club. Now, speaking of the man who might have changed Benji Marshall's life, Wayne Bennett, uh, he has not made that big splash in signings like I I think a lot of us thought that he was going to. Um, You know, Wayne is an icon of the game like Benji, but he's an icon from the coaching perspective and the coaching ranks. So I think a lot of people thought that people were just going to run to the table and just start signing on the dotted line when he took over as the head coach of the Dolphins. And it hasn't really panned out that way, um, but I think a coup has happened, and that coup is that it has been now named that Christian Wolf from Saint Helens is coming to the Dolphins to be their coach, like Benji Marshall is going to with the Tigers, starting in the two thousand excuse me two thousand twenty five season, and that he's going to come and work with Wayne. Uh, And it looks like it's starting in 2023 to be his assistant coach to make sure that it's a a very fluid transfer of power when that time comes. I cannot tell you how big of a fan of Christian Wolf I am. And it looked like he was going to go back and maybe coach St. Helens for the 2023 season until this broke because he turned down the Warriors job. And I think a lot of people were wondering if he was waiting for that perfect job. I push hard for him to go be the coach for the Tigers, even though I'm very, very happy with the direction they're moving. But Christian Wolf, to me, I think is a special, special coach. And I think the way that he talks and the way that he can really interact with a lot of Polynesian-type player, I think he can do it showing what the the power he's got being the coach of Tonga. So I think that this is a huge, huge victory for the Dolphins. And I think that you're going to see this pay forward uh, in the coming years in, in 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 huge results for the Dolphins. Now, it may not be the splash a lot of people were looking for, but Anthony Milford, uh, who's always wanted to get back to Queensland, uh, his wife has always wanted to get back to Queensland, um, has signed on, it looks like a two-year deal, uh, and has turned down Newcastle to go to the Dolphins. So that is a big move. Uh, that is a, a a big halves player that I think that you'll see Wayne get firing again um, and that's that's going to be good for the Dolphins and I think that's going to be very very good for Anthony Milford now to me this just leaves one question can the Dolphins circle the wagons and find a way to sign Cameron Munster to a contract going forward uh, after this season maybe after the 2023 season but can they get him to come back with paying the big money because he's going to he's going to call for quite a big paycheck uh, but can they can they get him to Redfern and I think that's what's going to really spell out where the Dolphins go going down the track is if they can really name and and bag that big fish now we go the opposite direction you know there's been a big linkage between Redfern and the Warriors you know the Warriors being training there for the last season uh, and finally being able to go back home but their interim coach, right now, Stacey Jones, has made a big call on our outgoing star, Reese Walsh. And Jones has benched Walsh for this upcoming round, and who knows for how long after that. In well, he's named Chanel Harris DeVita to be the fullback for this week and maybe going forward for the Warriors. Now I don't. This is really, uh, this is really telling to me. This is really strange because the Warriors probably aren't going to the finals, right? They're probably not going to make the top eight. And there's been a big push by a lot of clubs, seeing if the Warriors will let Reese Walsh go f- just for this end of the season to bring him in to be a fullback for some of these clubs that are trying to just get into the finals and maybe have a long finals run. And the Warriors have pushed back on this. They have not been interested. They have not wanted to let him go. They have not wanted to let him sign in any other place. Um, now, we do know that he has signed and been let go of his contract after this season. And he signed a three-year deal with the Brisbane Broncos from 2023 onward. But they are not letting him go. Just like they wouldn't let him negotiate with the Dolphins um, and Wayne Bennett. So, I do think it is a little strange in that in that. That aspect that they are not letting him leave ASAP, but that I think it's also funny because they have now let Chanel harris DeVita back in this side, and Chanel harris DeVita has come out in May saying that he's going to take a year away from football to figure out his future, which I think is really admirable, but kind of scary at the same time because there's no guarantee that you're going to come back the same player you were before when you leave the game uh, for a year like that, but. Chanel Harris-Tavita has played very, very well in the fullback position when Reese Walsh hasn't played. And some people could say he's he's a little bit more steady. But I don't know if they're actually doing this to maybe try to coax Chanel Harris-Tavita to, 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 to play on and not take that year break that he's hinted at. I don't really know. I think it's a very, very interesting uh, dilemma and, and, and very... You know, I think this. I think the ball really is in Chanel Harris-DeVita's hands here. I think if he wants to stay, the Warriors are going to find everything in their power to have him stay. Um, even though they, they've named Chance Nichols-Konkstad, uh, that was incredible how I just said that, wasn't it? Uh, to come in and probably be their fullback for next season. I really don't think they want to let a, a, a guy that I think has the potential to be a special, special player in in Harris-DeVita to leave. So we're getting, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. But I think a lot of the future of both of these guys is going to be determined by how well the Warriors play against the Raiders this weekend. I think if they don't miss a beat and they play well, I don't think you see Reese Walsh maybe for the rest of the season. But if, if they struggle or if Chanel struggles back in the fullback position, I think you'll see him for sure again going on that, that year uh, sabbatical. And I think Reese Walsh could be put right back in the side. So this weekend's going to have a lot to say about what direction the Warriors are going to go forward. Now, Ryan Pappenhausen, even though he was probably the biggest injury for the weekend, uh, is not the only uh, big name that went down this weekend. Because in a huge blow to the Sharkies, Sionic Katoa went down with a shoulder pectoral injury that's going to see him miss the remainder of the season for Cronulla. And I don't know if I can really emphasize how big that is. He's got 14 tries for Cronulla right now. And he's provided immense strike out on the wing for that team. And, 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 and he's just a, he is a beast. He's tough to bring down. Um, and he always seems to be at the right place at the right time um, when the Sharks go on the attack. So I think this loss of Sione Katoa Could cost Cronulla a top four position when it's all said and done at the end of the season. That's how big of a loss I think this is. And I think you put me down in number two pen with that prediction there, Shedheads. Now, there were some other very, very key injuries for round 18. Uh, And let's go into into them a little bit here. Uh, The Dragons lost Moses Suli for a high ankle sprain. Ascindesmosis, if you want to call it, for the rest of the regular season. But if the Dragons somehow find a way to save uh, a, a coach, if you know what I mean, uh, and get to the get to the finals, uh, they said that he should be able to play in the finals if the Dragons make it. The Rabbitsos Tiani Milne, dislocated finger. It looks like uh, he is going to be out one to two weeks. Uh, the Seagulls really big blow for the Seagulls after the match they're going to have this week um, against the Dragons, which you know will be playing all out. But Jake Travoyevich, COVID, out at least this week. And I think, uh, you know, we always talk about Jake being the heartbeat of a lot of things. I think that could be a a big, big loss for Manly. And then the Roosters, their injury, their injury luck or non-luck, I guess you could say, continues. Uh, Satili Tupanua and Billy Smith, both ACL tears. Um, there's been rumblings that Billy Smith may, since this is his third ACL rupture slash tear, that he may be thinking this could be the end of the line for him. I hope not. I hate to see, excuse me, players go down from injury, calling careers because of that sort of thing. Um, but three ACL, you know, I've, I've torn my ACL and it wasn't fun to come back from, but to do three of them, that's tough. That's really tough. And I think, uh, I would not. Be surprised if he does hang up the boots, even though I hope he doesn't. Um, and I will tell you something, shedheads. It looks like it's over. Yes, I did that for a little bit of feeling in the room. I did the Bill Shatner, the pausing, the stopping, because that's how big this is. And that what I'm talking about the chase for Cameron Soreldo. He's been named as everything but the president of the United States possibly running for the 2024 election here in America. That is how much this guy has been on everybody's radar to come in and be our new boss or our new president. Well, I guess the United States, or as I call it, the divided states are going to have to look for another president because it looks like Cameron Seraldo has finally been caught, tagged and bagged, and the man who's going to bring him home, over his shoulder, Gus Gould. It looks like Belmore will be the landing spot for Cameron Seraldo. There has not been any type of numbers that have been let out of the bag yet, but it has been pretty much let out of the bag that Seraldo will be the coach going forward. Um, and we don't know if this will be after the 2023 season, where he's contracted with Penrith for, for one more year, or if this will be starting in 2023. But it does look like Gus Gould has got his man, and the rest of the clubs can now stop saying, well, we're talking to Cameron Serrano No, you're not. It looks like he's done, and we may have the next coach for the Canterbury Bulldogs in the very, very new future. Now, as we came after that 5-8 and eight week, let's, let's lift it a level. I've got to get my strike going on going into the finals. And let's get some picks out of the way. Uh, Thursday night, we've got the Broncos versus the Eels. I know that on paper it looks like the Eels should be able to pull this one out. But I'm going to put more pressure on Brad Arthur's shoulders. And I'm taking the Broncos over the Eels. Friday. Seagulls versus the dragons. I just did tell you that Jake Drovoyovich is out for the for the Seagulls, but I still have them beating the Dragons. Roosters versus the Knights. Nothing that I've seen that would make me think that the Knights will be able to unsettle the Roosters who are gonna be playing to get a better position for finals footy. So I've got the Roosters. Saturday, Warriors versus the Raiders. A lot, this, a lot of the a lot of the previews for this game has talked about Sean Johnson, Sean Johnson, Sean Johnson that he has really been a Raiders killer. I don't know if he's going to be the Raiders killer this week, but for some reason I think the Warriors are going to upset the Raiders. Sharks versus the Panthers. I tell you the Sharks are in incredible form. I, there's big been gigantic talk and rumbling that the Sharks are going to try to implement some of the the defensive moves Against Penrith, that 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 the Maroons did to the Blues and the Habs combination during Origin, but I still think the Panthers, uh, Nathan Cleary coming back from Bali, I think the Panthers get the victory over the Sharkies, and then Storm versus the Rabbitohs closing out Saturday. Uh, I'm gonna say it, I cannot. I've already called this game. Let's just say it, Rabbitohs break the hoodoo and get their first victory. Over the storm in the last seven appearances. Sunday. Titans versus the Bulldogs. I'm going to take the dogs. I'm going to take the dogs to make Justin Holbrook's life a little bit more difficult again. uh, To make the pressure get a little bit tighter around the neck. I just think the dogs um, are just going to play with a different type of fight. Especially... Uh, if something could be nailed down about Cameron Seraldo going into the weekend. And then finally, Tigers versus the the Cowboys uh, up in Townsville. I don't have to say much more. I know it's an exciting time for Tigers fans, that it looks like the direction of the future has been nailed down, but I still don't think the Tigers have it in them to go up to Townsville to beat the Cows, and I've got the Cows winning that one over the West Tigers. Now as we transfer and we shift, to on the mark, and we go visit the beloved AFL. We once again did. Eh, we did all right. We did all right. We did all right. I'm looking at the numbers. We did. We did five of. We did five of nine. So uh, you know, over fifty percent still. But you know, let's go into what happened and what, what what round 18 had in store for the AFL. First off, Bulldogs 84, Saints 56. In a must win showdown between the two clubs, um, you know, the Doggies kicked the first seven goals and the rest was history. Uh, St. Kilda could not come back from that. And the Dogs get a big victory to set up the, for the grand final rematch on Saturday night. Magpies 91, Crows 86. Pies win their eighth in a row. And we're going to get into in a little bit more in depth about the, the turnaround this season for the Pies. Lions 99, Giants 59, the Lions springboarding over the Giants into the top four and again continue to push their, uh, excuse me, to continue to push their brand to stay in the top four to finish the season. Ruse 92, Tigers 88. Uh, You know, I guess this, you know what this tells me? I guess we can get our ice skates out and skate in hell because I guess it's frozen over. The Ruse snap their 14-match losing streak, and get the victory. Cats, 85. Blues, 55. Uh, Again, the the Cats, you know, it's getting close to the end of the season, so what happens? Geelong starts to round into form and starts to get ready for the big time, for the season that everyone talks about, final season. Uh, And they just solidified their number one positioning. Swans, 82. Dockers, 65. A really big victory for the Swannies because they were up at Optus. They were on the road, Western Australia. And they found a way to pretty much take it to the Dockers. I really thought the Dockers were going to win that match. There was big talk about them going into the top four. And now after this loss, uh, they're going to have to fight to stay in the top four. With a big match with the Tigers looming. Hawks 102, Eagles 77. That's two matches in a row for, for Hawthorne. Uh, even though they're a young team and a team that's trying to find uh, their full chemistry, big victory to get that, that, that back-to-back. D's 83, power 69. The D's and the picket fence are just too tough. They just couldn't be breached by the power. Uh, but the D's rebounding, getting a big victory, and really putting the power on the brink of total shutdown. A uh, big weekend coming up for the power because they're going to have to get a victory. And then Bombers 103, Suns 55, uh, the Bombers racking up their third victory in a row, uh, playing some fun footy, and actually showing everyone why a lot of people have faith that they might be able to do some things um, next season or maybe make some 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 teams very uncomfortable to finish this season. Now, let's get into depth, and I want to start off with those prison bars and that is the collingwood magpies what a what is what a difference a season makes shed heads, because everyone always says it it gets dark before dawn right it's just it it just is what it is and i think collingwood is showing us how much that is a truthful statement because last year at this time, time after round 18 the pies had a 5 and 12 record and we're sitting in the 15th position on the ladder. Okay? Think about that. Last season, finals looked like they were done. They were just in trouble. Uh, the record was not good. They were a shell of that club, right? Now let's 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 flip the calendar ahead. Let's just let's okay. Okay, we're in our time machine and we're back to present day. This year has been a total reversal, and I don't think I have to tell you Pies fans that. Collingwood is now 12-5 and and sitting comfortably in 5th place, tied with a 4th place team at 48 points. And just knocking on the door. And you have to say right now, Collingwood is playing the better football of the two clubs between them and Fremantle. So, a really crazy thing, but I think this is the epitome of why players, administrations, teams preach over and over and over. Every season is a new season. And you can't go back and look at the previous season to say what you're up against. So they're proving that. Uh, and, and, it's, and it's been fun footy to watch. Because I think the pedigree, the confidence was on full display this weekend against the Crows at Adelaide Oval. We know how difficult difficult it is for the Crows to lose at Adelaide Oval. They're, they play like a different club there. Uh, I've told you I love it. It's one of my favorite places to go to. But the Pies showed what they're made of in that game. Um, You know, because the Crows jumped out to 20 points in that. And I was really kind of thinking, this is not going to be good for the Pies. You know, they'd won seven in a row. They'd showed some strike. But again, we're talking about Adelaide at home. And they jumped out to an early 20-point lead before the Pies stormed back. And they, I don't know, was it because Of the celebration of Scott Penelberry, their captain's 350th game, but the heart they showed to get back into that match was something special. Um, But the fireworks really began in the second half for me because 16 points late in the third term, the Crows were cruising, all right, and then all of a sudden, the Pies score kick four in a row and go up to a 16-point lead themselves after Jamie Elliott kicked a, a goal that looked like it was going to take them over the top. But then the Crows charged right back into it. The Crows showed, again, that they fight till the death at home. But it could they still couldn't come over the top. And I think that, to me, those last five minutes of that game showed you the difference in the Collingwood Club this year compared to the last couple of seasons. Because they had every reason to fold or to, to tighten up late. And Collingwood didn't do that. They found a way to get dirty. They find, and, and we know that they were dirty because that, was, that game was played in wet, wet conditions. Right? But Collingwood found a way to remember what it takes to win a game. And that's what happens when you win multiple games in a row. And they would have won seven in a row. And guess what that showed? That they were ready to win eight. And I will say, the Crows were very valiant in their attempt to try to hold home court advantage. Uh, You know, Tex Walker and the boys, they did everything they could to try to unsettle, but they couldn't. And now, sitting at 48 points apiece, you have to say, Collingwood has a real, real strong chance to finish in the top four this year. Uh, and, And I... I said this to start off the show, this is the time of year we love. These last five, six rounds of the season, um, these teams separate, these teams fight to the death, and I can't wait to see what happens for this top four battle. Shed I'm kicking myself. I, I will admit to this to you right now, I am kicking myself that I did not take the ruse over the Tigers this last week. Uh... This same event happened pretty much in 2019. Brad Scott left the Ruse, and incoming coach Reese Shaw helped the Ruse orchestrate a a stunning upset over an informed Tigers club, who we all know how that 2019 season finished up for the Tigers. It did shock the AFL world, but again, it shows you why gambling probably isn't smart, because you probably just lost your month's mortgage payment. This time it was Coach Lee Adams. And I I will tell you, I just sensed it. I sensed it so much last week that just that change of voice in a locker room can make all the difference in the world. And and Lee Adams, no matter what his voice sounds like, no matter what, for some reason he said he wanted to let the guys celebrate and to go out there and to take the game to the Tigers. And it helped. The Roos getting a four-point victory over Richmond. Um, and it humbled the Tigers. I mean, you know, I, I don't know if anybody thought except for me, even though it doesn't show because I didn't pick them. I don't know if anybody really thought that, that, that the Roos were going to be able to do this, but they scored 92 points in their 92 to 88 victory over the Tigers. The most points they've scored all season. So that's got to tell you something. I don't, I don't want to say it this way, but it was almost like the shackles were let off of the Ruse and let them hop around the field. For four quarters. It just it was an, it was impressive. And, and and if it doesn't blow you away about what teams can do, I think you're crazy. The hero for the ruse again was Cam Zarrar, I think I said that right, uh, who kicked six goals. Uh and, and, and I guess he's getting close to being out of contract. I would sign him. North North Melbourne, don't you know. I don't know if you guys subscribe to Outside the Sheds yet, but if you're listening, I would get that guy on paper kicking six goals including the match winner tells me that this guy's got a little bit of that it to him and right now you need as much positives in the clubhouse right now for North Melbourne now on the on the other side you've got the tigers and the tigers had plenty of opportunities to win that match they had plenty of opportunities from right out in front uh you know jack rewald who's usually clutch in these situations was just misfiring it was just not a, a, a Richmond match to remember. Now, I guess the only thing you can say is that Dima now can go back and talk about 2019 and tell them how they flipped and changed everything around. Um, but you have to think that this is going to have possibly a lasting hangover for Richmond. But the only positive about this is they've got Fremantle to kick off the round. And Fremantle losing to the Swans And Richmond losing to the Ruse, You have to think both clubs are not going to be in the best. How should I say this? They may not be teams you want to meet in a dark alley. Because I think both coaching staffs took it to the players this week. Uh, And it'll be interesting to see which team can find a way to get it. Because both teams need to win. Both teams need to win, and that is an understatement. Uh, Probably the Tigers a little bit more than Fremantle because the Tigers are fighting to stay in that top eight. But you know what the strike percentage is is for teams to win and to raise the flag who don't finish in the top four. So I know Fremantle knows the importance of winning this match as well. So it sets up for an incredible round 19 match and I can't wait for it. Now, staying with the Roos, it has been reported that they right now are the front runners to get the signature of Super Coach Alistair Clarkson. And I know this is this could be a game-changing play for a club that really hasn't had a lot to brag about or a lot to cheer about for a while. The problem with this is if they do sign Clarko, they're going to have to be smart about it. Because Clarkson's asking $1.6 million a season, which will make him the highest-paid coach in the game. But the problem with that is... That is 23% of the Ruse budget will all go towards Clarko. And you've still got to sign players. You've still got to re-sign players. That's tough. That is a tough, tough call to have 23% of your money going to a coach. Because you you still got to sign assistant coaches. You've got to do a lot. So I know he's a big fish. I know he's a coach that can change clubs around. That's a lot of money for a club, uh, and it's going to be interesting for me to see if somehow North Melbourne can bring Clarko home, and if he will sign the dotted line, or if he'll make some concessions, knowing that they're going to need some money to make North Melbourne competitive. So huge, huge, huge! I think couple of weeks coming up for the ruse, uh, and if they can, if they can nab him somehow, it will be to me the coup of the year. Now, for some reason in OTS this week, outside the sheds, we've talked about these two clubs. And that's the Ruse and the Pies. And I think we're going to finish it out talking about the Pies. Because we all know that our boy, you know it is, the peroxide wonder, the polarizing man himself, Gideon. And his high tackles. The guy is a Hollywood star, the way that he takes some falls, isn't he? And it has really divided the AFL world because some people want the call and other people want to tackle him high themselves. Um, and the AFL has had to address this, the high tackles. And it's, I, think it's, I think it's pretty funny that both, both sports we're talking about on this show, AFL, NRL, Rugby League, quote-unquote, that the high tackle is such a big thing. Right, and I and I said something a few weeks ago uh, when I talked about the NRL and how they were trying to clamp down on the high tackle. I said, "Be careful, because players nowadays are smart, and they will act like you took their head off and you barely touched their chin." And we've seen that in the NRL. You know, you know, players just know what to do sometimes. And I don't want to say this, but I will say that coaches probably have things. And, and coach a certain style to get calls, but the AFL has come out this week again saying they will not be rewarding guys who they think are trying to take the high, you know, take the fake and and fall down. They will not reward that, and I think that's commendable. Now I think it's also dangerous because it's is this going to be a lot of calls that are going to be subjective? Is this going to be a lot of calls looking at the player? You know, does does, does Guinea Van not get the calls now because? He's, you know, put a track record of, of diving and rolling around a little bit. I don't know. I think time will tell. And maybe he just, from this point forward, just goes, I just can't take that chance anymore. And I've got to freaking play straight up hard nosed, you know, footy. But I, I just think it's pretty hilarious now that both codes, both sports are talking about the high tackle. Um, and I think it's opened up a can of worms for both of them because, a lot of these calls will be subjective, and it'll be interesting to see how, you know, the AFL is, is, is following a lot behind than the NRL because they've butchered this, the NRL has, uh, and we're still trying to pull out of this. You know the, the joke route that everyone keeps saying is "Magic round," because that's when they lost their minds with these, these high tackle calls. So going forward, let's see if the AFL can do a better job in the NRL about policing the high tackle. So let's get into some picks this week for round 19. And we've got some stellar matches. Uh, starting off, kicking off the round, like I told you, Dockers versus the Tigers. The problem for the Tigers are the matches in Melbourne, but the problem is it's at Marvel Stadium where the Tigers have lost four in a row. And for that reason, I'm going to go with the Dockers to come over the type of, top of the yellow and black. Friday, Roos versus the, the Hawks. Another Friday night tussle. And guess what? I think it's going to be two in a row. I'm going with the Ruse over the Hawks. And then to close out Friday, we've got the Crows versus the Swans. I know it's going to be tough, Adelaide fan, uh, but I have you going down back-to-back because I think the Swans are playing incredible footy. Saturday, Cats versus the Power. Um, I know this is a a pretty much make-or-break game for Port Adelaide, but I just think the Cats are playing too good a footy right now, and I'm going to go with the Cats. Suns versus the Lions in the Battle of Queensland. Queensland. Um, I know a lot of people have been talking up the Suns. Every time I pick them, they seem to stumble and take my money. So I'm taking the Lions over the sw- over the Suns. D's versus the Bulldogs in a Saturday night showdown, a grand final rematch, and I am going to do something a lot of people might not be expecting. I'm taking the Dogs in the rematch. I'm taking the Dogs. Giants versus the Blues. The Giants have given me no reason to think they're ready to right their ship, and I'm taking the Blues to rebound after their loss from last week. And then Sunday, Bombers versus the Pies. I think we make this four in a row. I think the Bombers pull the upset of the round, and they beat Collingwood and break their eight match winning streak. And then Sunday, the last match Saints versus the Eagles. I'm going to say something again another upset. I'm taking the Eagles. To make St. Kilda continue to bow their heads in prayer to try to change their season around. As we go into the guns, there's only one way I can go with the guns. You gotta go with Cameron Zarrar, for North Melbourne, 6 goals, 1 behind, 12 disposals, 8 kicks, 4 handballs, 3 marks, 2 tackles, 2 clearances, 229 meters gained. You have you just have to do it. I'm saying, when you snap a 14-match winning streak and you kick six goals, you're my gun for the round. Number two, Joseph Manu. Even though he played this way, being removed from the halves, two tries, 194 running meters, three line breaks, two line break assists, two tackle, excuse me, two try assists, 15 tackle breaks, 14 tackles made, and 32 kicking meters. Joey Manu is starting to become not just one of the greats in the game, one of the elite players in the competition. And then finally, my number three, Latrell Mitchell. The guy that him and Joey have had a little bit of a history. One try, four for seven conversions, 137 running meters, one line break, three line break assists, three try assists, 12 tackle breaks, two tackles made, 74 kicking meters, and... Two demolitions of Matt Burton on the pitch, on the field of play. Sorry about that, Burton, but I have to remember and remind everybody, Luttrell is a bulldozer. So when we go outside the bubble, it is a very quiet time. You know, I'm not really into the Major League Baseball All-Star game. You know, it happened. Uh, I really don't care about golf too much. I'm sorry, my friend's down under. But, you know, Cameron Smith now going to the live tour. Um, you know, yes, you did win the British Open, but now you're going to take your rat tail and go to the Egyptian League, so, eh, not really into that. Um, but what I do want to talk about, UFC 279, it has just been named Nate Diaz against Hamzat Chemaev, and I cannot wait for this fight. The old guard against the new guard, uh... At T-Mobile Arena, September 10th, it is going to be a fight. And I cannot wait. It's been a while since we had a fight. And to me, this, this fight is as big as, you know, the two fights we had with Volkanovski and Adesanya. Um, this is going to be one of those fights that we're going to be talking about for the rest of the year. Because I think one of the, one of the only fighters that can just get inside Shemayev's head... And just trying to drag him into deep water is Nate Diaz. But I think why it's going to be another memorable match is, this could be Nate Diaz's last fight at the UFC because this is his last fight on his contract. So it's going to be interesting to see if he tries to resign. He says he's out of there. He says this is his last fight. So if it is his last fight at the UFC, you know what Nate Diaz is going to bring to the table. So... That is why I want to end it because I want to talk about some greatness and that fight's going to be great. But until next week, Shedheads, really embrace this time because I think these next five weeks are going to be some incredible footy in both the NRL and the AFL and even in the Super League. Uh, so get ready for it. It's going to be fun. I cannot. I hope you can feel my enthusiasm. But from the bunker here in my shed, Stay out of trouble. Don't get caught. This has been Outside the Sheds. I'm your host, your Shed Corey Jackson. Until next week, please gamble responsibly. And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.